Welcome to the Brand Community Podcast. Brand communities are the foundation of business growth. They build a human connection between brands and their customers, turn those customers into lifelong advocates, and ultimately grow your business. I'm Sam Heisel, a co-founder and managing partner at Knox, a digital agency that helps brands, artists, and entrepreneurs grow and convert communities online. And I'm Chris Whitman, co-founder of Crony, a creative agency that connects brands and consumers through powerful brand experiences. Every Tuesday, we'll be interviewing marketing leaders and community builders so you can walk away with actionable strategies to help your brand grow and prosper. Welcome to the show. Chris, what's happening, man? How are you feeling today? Well, you know, I, uh, I I got a calf injury this morning, Sam, so not doing so hot, but I am very excited for today's episode. You've been skipping leg day all these all these years, bro. <laughs> it's caught up to you, man. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, who, it's, who it's the age. <laughs> it's the age wearing on me. Um, I'm super excited about today. So we've got uh, a good friend of mine, Allison Flood. Um, Allison's awesome. She's essentially like a cultural marketing savant. Um, she originally got her teeth cut over at Gawker, of all places, producing original content and events around pop culture and web trends. Uh, she then jumped over to Recognition Media, where she produced Internet Week Europe, Internet Week US, the Webby Awards, and the Lovey Awards. Uh, she then went on to start her own experiential agency called Rude Studios, R-O-O-D, uh, where she worked with a variety of clients, including Diageo and Child. Uh, and most recently, she's been she's consulting currently, but she was a, a former VP of experiential over at BuzzFeed, where she worked with a number of clients like Bank of America, Petco, Amazon, and more. Um, re- really runs the gamut over there. So what uh, stood out to so- you in this episode? Yeah, the things that stood out to me, I mean, you know, experiential marketing is an interesting place because it's, it's, it tends to be difficult to measure. Uh, she kind of reinforced that when she, she just kind of elicited that you really can't measure a feeling. Um, and I thought it was interesting to hear the difference between, you know, how that emotes in IRL versus the now virtual world. Um, I loved her uh, reference to the Zach Morris phone, which we'll get into in the interview. Um, and then in general, just being authentic to your brand. Um, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the, the be authentic to your brand point is so great. I think she does do a great job at developing some core principles, both as far as the brand and a brand like BuzzFeed and how she tries to let that live on in the event she creates. But even outside of like the BuzzFeed brand, like there's just core principles that she uses as the foundation whenever trying to develop uh, fun activation concepts for, for any brand. So I think uh, her being able to peel back those curtains and talk a little bit to that was really insightful. I also love, uh, I mean, even just the Zach Morris phone and can like that case study and that, that uh, activation to me was so exciting because it's, it's easy. Yes. There's consumers have a, a lot of attention across a lot of these primary social and digital and online platforms and channels, but there's always opportunity to innovate and get creative and operate outside of these traditional marketing channels. So I think an activation like that, that she dives more into in the episode is a great example of that. And I think for everybody listening here, to the extent that you can really evaluate and come up with ideas outside of the the bread and butter uh, channels that are very competitive and very saturated, uh, it's, it's always a good question to ask. So really excited to dive in. And without any further ado, let's get into it. Miss Allison Flood. Allison, welcome to the Brand Community Podcast. What's up? What's up? So pumped to be here. Yeah. How's, uh, how's, how's it going on your end? Things are great. I'm well and working and can still see my family. So like, no complaints. 
Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, let's dive in. Uh, first question. So, you know, you've got a really impressive background, um, very extensive in content and experiential and events, uh, but it seems like you've really focused in on experiential marketing. So we're, we're just curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, what the power of experiential marketing is to you and how you think it fits into um, bringing brand communities together. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I think I kind of ended up in the experiential accidentally. Um, I really thought I wanted to work in TV and then kind of just like ended up as a Gawker intern and the person that worked there, the person that was like my report there was this guy, Richard Brakely, who was nice enough to be like, go flood. You kind of write like a textbook but you're really good at this production stuff and kind of like, like, you know, like shoved me into, into doing that a little bit more. And like, because of that, I was like, Oh, I like this. I know how to do it. It's cool. But like, most importantly, I think the thing that I realized I like the most is like doing or making a thing where people can come together and have a great time and just like be happy. Like it's the motion, the emotions of all of it. Um, and like, I, I am from Staten Island. I grew up in a house where like my grandparents, again, super lucky. My grandparents kind of like lived in the house with us and my grandfather was a funeral director. So like, they're definitely, I grew up around this sense of like community and specifically like how you can organize a community and how you can organize like things around a community for those people. And like a funeral being one of obviously the, much more serious ones but like this sense of community and kind of like being cognizant of what your people are doing and what they need and like doing things that they, that can take care of them and make their lives easier is something that like was for sure a family thing um and i think that like a lot of the stuff that i took from growing up around that i was able or like i kind of use in my everyday work life now um, which I'm sure they would be happy about, but I think, I don't know, ultimately experiential marketing is just like making people feel great about whatever it is that you're doing. And like, sometimes, yes, it is for a brand. Sometimes it's for something else, but I think at its core experiential is just like bringing a community together around one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. When it comes to like, and I totally agree. I mean, looking back, I know you've definitely done lots of different activations in real life, online. Uh, what to you are some of your like favorite examples or experiences that you've helped create that uh, that you feel really exemplify some of those principles? Um, I mean, there's so many of them. It's kind of like picking, I don't know, like I can't pick my song. Um, one, of, one of your favorites. We don't, have, we don't need the, the one favorite, sorry. one of your favorites. I think one of my favorites was... Uh, I had for a brief moment in time, I had like a small experiential kind of agency with this woman, Catherine Elsasser, who's like one of my best friends, was my boss at the Webby Awards. Um, and so we were doing this project for the Barbarian Group. Their whole thing was that they wanted to, they wanted to like win the Cannes stunt contest. Um, and so we had a ton of ideas, but the main idea was that, or what we had landed on was that we were going to get those like old school Stack Morris style brick phones. Um, we found this company who made them and they took SIM cards 
we got these things kind of overnighted to where we were staying in Cannes and then got a hundred burner SIM cards and then stayed up for basically two days straight and like hand programmed each one of these phones. And the idea was called cold call can. And the, like the whole thing around it was that when you go to something like can, it's very easy to hang out with the people that you already know. And like the whole point of being there is that you probably talk to people you don't already know. You should probably talk to some people that like, you know, a little bit, but you want to know more. Um, and also just kind of the nature of what can line is like everyone who's there at one point or another has had to make a cold call. Um, so there was that aspect of the idea. But then the other aspect was that the CEO of the barbarian group at the time, this woman, Sophie Kelly, was on this awesome panel. It was all about like getting yourself out of your creative comfort zone and like how doing things that make you uncomfortable, make you a better creative. Um, so we thought that like, this idea joined both of those concepts together really nicely. So we made these brick phones or we got these brick phones made, we branded them Barbarian Group, and then we hand programmed them all and we gave them out to like the most interesting creatives who we knew at can. Like personally, one of the greatest days of my life was waking up to the text messages that was like, dude, I just saw Marilyn Manson walking around with one of your brick phones, like you gotta get me one. And it was, I think it was the first time where I did something where I was like, oh, I think we just created like a weird second market thing. Um, but kind of, uh, again, at its core, it was a community builder because you got those phones, the phones were pre-programmed with like numbers that you had no idea who they would answer. So it was like cold call one, cold call two, cold call three. And then every day we texted all of the phones with five new numbers. So like the whole thing was that you could call these strange people you didn't know, but you knew that they were like barbarian crew of hand selected. We think these people are cool and like meet a new friend that you work with or become friends with. Um, and then afterward kind of hearing all the stories of people who like got jobs or made new best friends or like met Beck or Marilyn Manson, <laughs> like they were all, it was it was a true like community maker in a weird way. That's awesome. It's like it's like a ghost community that didn't exist before, and then you just kind of like you know materialized it out of nothing. That's super cool and very like surprise and delight. I would say, I'd have to say. <laughs> I was at a house party once. This is probably like two years ago, and somebody had one of the phones at the house, and I was like, oh my god, yes. Oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing. But, uh, you know, you bring up Zach Morris phones, right? Like that, there, there's nothing more like culturally iconic than that, especially if you're like, an 80s baby, right? Um, so, you know, a lot of brands are trying to insert themselves into culture, feel culturally relevant. Do they focus on the now? Do they do like kind of a retrospective, like what you're talking about with the Zach Morris phone? Um, how do you like, how do you kind of stay on the pulse of that? Um, what are some things or in, like, you know, what kind of insights can you provide somebody who maybe not, might not be as culturally savant as you, but, you know, is, is trying to attempt at, at uh, being culturally relevant? Are you having any, have any tips on like how to kind of stay on the, on the pulse of that? I mean, to be honest, I've never really thought about like how to, how to not manufacture, like manufacture is not the right word, but like, I've never really thought mm. about how to do it. And like, I think the best, I think the best advice I've got is just like find a thing that you like and go super deep on it. And like, 
on that deep journey, you're going to find a thousand more things that you are super into and go deep into those and like keep doing that. And I think like, you know, the good creative ideas come from things that you're actually excited about, you know? So like the more things you know about, the more things you're excited about and like genuinely excited about the, the better ideas you're going to have. And like, I don't know, for me, I feel like a lot of that stemmed from when I was a kid, I like, wasn't really, my, my parents were like, you know, very big on like culture and music, but like, I never really watched TV as a kid, you know? And then when I became an adult with some disposable income and just like discovered reality television, it was over because like, I don't know, like, yes, I genuinely loved Old Yeller as like, that was the only movie I watched for like two years as a kid. But like, you know, I also loved A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila. And like, there is definitely a connection in there somewhere. I don't know what it is offhand, but like, I think if you can just find the things that you genuinely love and go as deep on them as possible, that like, you're just going to find other stuff that you like that'll give you good ideas. Yeah, no, I love that. And in that same vein too, I mean, how, I mean, uh, you both are working to come up and execute upon cool campaigns, but like you said, you're also just paying attention to stuff you genuinely enjoy as a consumer as well. And using that to inform a lot of your strategies. Uh, with that in mind, when it comes to how you've had to adapt with COVID, I, I know like IRL experiential activations have definitely been very tough, but the notion of creating experiences for consumers and, and unique ways to cut through the noise to, to build a thriving community, that, that's still and always will be alive and well. So when you think about ways in which you've kind of had to, to pivot or adapt your strategy amidst COVID, what have been some of the things that have been top of mind, both as far as what you've been deploying, as well as things that you've seen that you've been like, damn, that's cool. Oh man, that's fun. Um, I feel like there, there's been so much cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I like jokingly have said that I'm like an early discarder that like, I'm the first person to be like, Nope, not going to do it anymore. Um, and then I think that like, as I've gotten older, I've become less and less of an early discarder and that like the quarantine is a good example of that because I think that like specifically for like social justice causes, but then also just for like, uh, you know, like people hanging out and, you know, obviously businesses, um, that there have been a million ways that people are, are innovating and doing interesting things and also like having actual fun, you know? Um, and I think, I think one of the things I saw super early that just kind of made me be like, oh, okay, like I miss going out, but also like I feel a piece of this and I'm excited about it was uh, like Susanna Barch did, I forget if it was like a Holy Mountain or like what, like what part, what repeating party in her kind of repertoire that she does, but she did like a, like a club night and it was just like very well organized on, um, I think it was on Zoom where, you know, she had all of the acts and like, the, the people that you look forward to running into at the parties were there. Like, it, it just felt like a party, you know? Um, and so I feel like in the, the consumer, just like people doing awesome stuff world realm, that was great. Um, and then also, I mean, selfishly, as I work as a consultant with BuzzFeed and we worked on a project with Bumble where we basically did like a, uh, it was like a, 
I want to call it a dating show, but it was maybe, maybe so much more than that. Um, <laughs> but it was like, you know, we put, I think it was 22 couples, uh, or 22 people on blind dates with one another, um, and kind of created a, a show that like really brought you on a bunch of first dates and made the idea of dating in a quarantine way less scary, at least like for me personally, made it way less scary. Um, and also, uh, I think it's, it was something that like you walked where I personally walked away from it being like, okay, like dating in a quarantine is definitely less scary, but also like, you know, maybe all those dates that I'd been on haven't been as boring and bad as I thought they were. Maybe that's just like what a first date is. And I never had the context of seeing someone else's first date to know that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, you bring up BuzzFeed. So you, it, your background, you've got a lot of media experience. Um, and I think for a lot of brands, like the, the thought of experiential is exciting, but it can be daunting as well, especially from a cost perspective, as, as we both know very well. Um, what do you think are some of the better strategies in terms of, you know, kind of like merging the offline and the online and, you know, kind of creating a fuller, um, more integrated experience? um with with whatever the initiative is that that a community builder is trying to do i mean that's a really good question i like i am definitely still trying to crack it in a complete sense by itself we all are it, <laughs> um i mean again i think it kind of goes back to like thinking about what works for you and like how you match that with the five senses and also just like you know in in a very central way, I think that something that all people have in common, whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, is that like, you know, everyone wants to belong somewhere. Everyone wants to see a piece of content and see themselves in it. Everyone wants to go to a party and be like, oh, here's this thing that I found at this party that's cool, that's here just for someone like me. And that, you know, if you're if you're approaching the things that you're making with that in mind and just like keeping the humanity of all of it top of mind that like that's that's where you're going to find the win right because right. i think what gets lost in a lot of this is the humanity you know like and you, like it, it, in real life events it manifests when you walk into a room and you're like oh they did not think about the fact that there are two bathrooms and four thousand people here <laughs> and like I feel like the online equivalent of that is uh, manifesting in in a lot of new ways that we didn't know existed. But I I do think that like folks and brands are really are really doing a good job in terms of like finding things that just feel human, you know? Right. What do you, what do you think are some of like the biggest hangups with the virtual side of things? Like like some of the toughest things to crack. I mean, I think fatigue is the first one. Right. I'd um, agree with that. As we yeah. sit here on Zoom. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, think fatigue is definitely the first one and the biggest one. Like, I had no idea. I hated the sound of my own voice so much until this, which, like, champagne problem to have. But, like, I, I think fatigue is definitely the big one. And also, I think that, like, now there's just more noise and it's figuring out... Um, you know, like, how do you, how do you do something that's meaningful and exciting? And then from the production standpoint, like, you probably just heard the helicopter that drove by. 
um, from a production standpoint, it is, it's hard to do things when like, you're not in the same room, you're not in a controlled setting. Um, and while it, there are definitely aspects to it that are so much nicer and like where we're so lucky to be able to keep working like this. Um, but you know, it definitely has its own like special sauce of, of like noise problems. Yeah, yeah, totally. for sure. I mean, for one extent though, what is nice is that I, I do think a lot of the, some of the barriers to entry, especially for like smaller companies, I think to an extent, consumers have become a bit more conditioned to consume virtually produced content. And yeah. I think there's a nice opportunity there on the brand side because it's there's less production cost involved with creating it. So I think um, there's there's always going to be a time and a place for these higher produced things, especially the more bigger and credible a brand is. You don't really want to make that trade-off. Um, but early on for a lot of these smaller brands, being able to kind of hit a higher volume um, without having to spend like an arm and a leg is, has been super impactful. Right. And also, I mean, again, it kind of, there's more humanity in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, I was definitely on a zoom call, uh, probably like two months ago and I have no screens in my windows and my windows were open and a bird flew into my apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, it's, you know, it also just in like day-to-day living poses its own set of, of interesting problems. For sure. There's an interesting, uh, like on, on New York Times, you know, they have like a content series like Diary of a Song where they'll often document the rise of major hit records. And uh, a lot of like the, the way in which they put the story together is actually just through like FaceTime interviews. So I think it's uh, like storytelling, unique experience, innovative programming. Those are the, the things that will never go anywhere. Then the, the medium itself can always evolve. So being able to just adapt there is super valuable. You were saying something, Chris? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask about you know the uh, the holy grail question, which is ROI and experiential marketing. Um, you know, what do you think was a good way to measure experiential pre-COVID? How do you think it's kind of changed as we've gone into like a you know a pandemic world? And then, I mean, you know, I think I think it'll be really interesting to see how it changes as we emerge out of it. I don't know if you have any thoughts there, but it'd be cool to um, pick your brain on that too. Yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting thing to measure, right? Because so much mm-hmm. of experiential is like feelings. And, you know, I really and truly believe that like you cannot measure everything that is valuable cannot be measured in a way that like you want to be able to put a, a finger on a number of ROI. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that beforehand and like especially... Uh, there are so many different, there's so many different ways to measure things. So like, if you are a platform or a publisher, you can very clearly touch like the number of eyes on a project with influencers. You can touch the engagement. You can look at like how that person's able to galvanize their audience. Um, obviously with e-commerce, like you can measure that ROI and straight up like purchasing power and conversion. So like across the board, I feel like there's first of all, no one way to measure the success of something. Um, And I think that like pre-quarantine, I think that the success, the successes of experiential marketing were highly measured in like foot traffic, conversion, surveys and research, um, and like obviously talk value. 
And then I think since the quarantine has happened that the return has just shifted so heavily to be on the things that we know that we can look at and touch, like, you know, impressions, views, shares. Yeah, the more digital metrics. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then afterward, I think, I don't know, I hope, I hope we go back to things that are more feelings, but I don't know. <laughs> and then I guess the last question I've got is kind of, you know, community, so much of what we talk about on, on this program is like consistency and engaging the community. So what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously there are like, there are some big like tentpole type events that you can do, but what are ways to kind of like keep consumers engaged that you've seen have, have worked really well um, in any of the programs that you've worked on? Hmm. Um, I mean, I think it all comes back to, to just like knowing yourself, right? So like if mm -hmm. you're doing, if you're creating experiential like, uh, experiential marketing videos or experiences or omni-channel productions, like no matter what it is, that like whether or not that's going to work for your community is all going to come back to how well you know your brand. Um, so I think if you're producing things that speak to the identity of your brand and therefore the identity of your community, that you'll find success. And like, honestly, I think this is one of the reasons why, um, I like BuzzFeed so much and why BuzzFeed is just like such an interesting uh, place to do experiential marketing for because, you know, the website was really built as a community, not a website. And that even though BuzzFeed is obviously like grown and evolved, there are millions of properties, but like they've stuck to the principles of the community that they were looking to build when the website first started. So now it's like, You've got BuzzFeed News dropping the FinCEN files, which is this like unprecedented news investigation. But like in the same breath, you can take a cat quiz, you know, or like look at a tasty recipe. And it's so easy to kind of look at how they've created this community. The community is built around the ideas of like truth and joy. And that anything you look at on BuzzFeed, whether it is an in-person experience or like a website experience, it is very much so something that you can look at and be like, oh, that is truth, or oh, that is joy, or, you know, in the best of scenarios, this is both. Um, and, you know, it's it's unexpected sometimes, but it still kind of rallies around those two things. And that I think the reason BuzzFeed's experiential business has been successful is because anything we do has that truth and has that joy in it. And again, it's like, uh, community first. Totally. Yeah, I think that's such a great kind of grounding directional philosophy and set of principles to really create the foundation for all the different activations and ways in which you engage with consumers. So love that. With that said, we are coming to our uh, the final question. We love to ask all of our guests. Um, if you were to start a new direct-to-consumer product company from scratch, A, what would it be? And then B, how would you deploy a hundred K marketing budget to jumpstart growth? I mean, obviously I'm having an event, like, come on, there's going to be there's gonna be an experience before I even know what it is. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, this is, this is a very niche product, but the, the riches are in the niches as they say. I think what I would make is like, uh, it's almost like a sound tracker. 
So I'd make like a special set of headphones or maybe it's like an app. Also, before I dive into this, I know that this is like not a good idea. Um, <laughs> but I think I would make kind of like your own personal do not disturb. Um, so like if you go to the movies and like people are in the movie theater, you can't hear the movie, they're talking. You can just like listen directly to the track that you're trying to listen to. That mm. goes um, and again, I don't know how this functions like in the new world, but if I'm being selfish and thinking about like the problems that I, I want to solve, it's like, oh, if I, you know, when I'm in a concert, I wish I had an earpiece in one ear that was just like a live feed of what's on stage. Yeah. I yeah. like it. That's cool. Okay. Sign, I mean, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> you know, if you have the investors. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the brand community podcast would like to uh, start this financing round. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to kick oh, over man. to the music business podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, well, Allison, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I think all the work you've been able to do is incredible. You've been able to continue to adapt and evolve. Um, so really excited for what's in store as well. So thank you for uh, taking the time to share some wisdom with us today. For sure. Thank you both. Of course. Thanks, Claude. Man, well, that was a great episode. I think uh, Allison's super smart, breadth of experience across a bunch of very credible, big brands, massive communities. I mean, from BuzzFeed to Gawker to Webby, I think uh, underlying threat of all of those is just having these thriving communities and being able to not only create really interesting engagement uh, from the brand to the consumers, but also in finding really fun ways to create engagement uh, within the community amongst other community members. So I think her being able to talk about some of those principles, some of the innovative ways she operates outside of just traditional marketing channels, mm-hmm. uh, like the Zach Morris phone, stuff like that uh, was, was music to my ears, just like the, the product idea she shared at the end. So what did you, what'd you totally. think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Zach Morris phone, we can't say it enough. And, you know, the, the in winning the stunt contest in Cannes is, is very much a real thing and something that, you know, as, as, as somebody who goes to Cannes frequently, you're always excited to see. Uh, but, you know, not everybody is, uh, is this culturally literate. So, you know, when she was describing what her perspective was on, um, you know, how to really plug yourself into culture, it's just kind of not only knowing your brand, being authentic to your brand, but just being really into whatever it is that you're trying to get into. You can't really fake it uh, and, and really succeed in that, in that, uh, in the frame of context there. So, uh, I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was some good um, takeaway information that that brands could could go on with. And you know, I am excited about the future of, of experiential. Uh, I am excited about how um, you know you you brought this point up, but you know, brands uh, consumers are getting conditioned to be a little bit more lo-fi, a little bit less you know pressure on high tech from brands, um, which brings this humanity forward, which is what Allison was talking about. But as we kind of move forward in experiential and community building, really seeing the, the real world um, activations and the, and the virtual to create this kind of like hybrid experience and, and more integrated approach, I think is gonna be really helpful, not only in just engaging more consumers, engaging more uh, of your community uh, more frequently, but then also in terms of like driving some measurable um, statistics behind uh, the things that you're working on, beyond the feeling, which is important, but um, sometimes the CMO has a hard time wrapping their head around it. Totally. 
Well, uh, as always, appreciate you all for, for tuning in. Uh, really excited to be getting this off the ground. Grateful for, for you, Chris, for our incredible guests, but most importantly, you guys that are tuning in. So if you ever want to reach out, uh, don't hesitate to do so. Uh, if you have any ideas on guests, let us know. Lots more to come. Until next week, we out.